1: Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement.
2: It's a total disrespect.
1: Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport.
0: Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Sam Matterface and once again I was joined by Alex Crook today. We spoke about Jordan Henderson as it looks as if he's moving closer to a move to Saudi Arabia. Having been such a vocal supporter of the gay community during his career, will he now look hypocritical if the move goes ahead? Plus we look at Manchester City, their rebuild, as a number of players depart the club. We're going to talk about Jordan Henderson. The Liverpool captain is on the brink of a move to Saudi Arabia side Al Etifak after the two clubs agreed an initial £12 million fee. Over the past few months, we've seen plenty of stellar names move to that part of the world, a country where being homosexual is illegal and LGBTQI plus rights are not recognised by the government. But this transfer feels very different because Jordan Henderson has consistently praised, supported, and fought for the rights. Of inclusivity and diversity in football, the Sky Sports presenter Mark McAdam, an openly gay man, tweeted this yesterday: "Disappointed in Jordan Henderson's uh, stance, but not surprised. Ninety-nine percent of the footballers that speak out for LGBT community do it because they have to, not because they want to. Many do it for profile. Very few actually care. No issue with him going to Saudi. Just makes his words empty." Mark joins us on the program now. Mark, what are your thoughts on this proposed move?
1: Good morning, guys. Um, yeah, pretty much as I said in my tweet, I think it's it's a real disappointing move for Jordan Henderson. Because when you look at footballers these days, they have two options. They have the token lip service stuff that they do once a year when it comes to supporting the Rainbow Laces campaign or football v. homophobia. They speak to the press officer and they say, oh, I've got to do an interview. What have I got to say? Oh, just make sure you say that football's for everyone. Make sure you say that um, you know, any LGBT fans are welcome at the stadium. And that if you had a gay teammate, there's no problem with that as well. That's, that's what the message we want to get out there. And then they go, yeah, thanks very much. And that's what they say in their interviews. And that's what most of them do and then there are a very few minority that go one step further people like jordan henderson people like connor cody who have been so vocal in their support of the lgbt community that it it really resonates with so many people jordan henderson for example had an exchange with a a gay liverpool fan on social media and that fan said look you you really make me feel more comfortable in my own skin you make me feel more comfortable going to anfield because i know that i've got an ally in you and you're someone that understands me and my difficulties and my you know my situation how scared i've been to go to football by being a part of the LGBT plus community. So when you see John Henderson move to somewhere where they don't have any rights, where they're not welcome, where many of them face, you know, severe punishment for just being gay, it almost just feels like, unfortunately, those words that meant so much to so many people feel a little bit more empty
0: now. Do you think that there is a danger that in the future people will be sceptical when players speak on these issues? And it's sad because this appears to be taking a large broad brush and painting everybody and people are individuals you've already mentioned there's certain players that say uh, things that do resonate but is it an awkward truth that many align themselves with noble causes because it helps raise their profile and not because they genuinely care
1: Yeah, no, I genuinely believe that. There are a number of players. You know, David Beckham could be, you know, a big example. Someone that was so vocally supportive about the community many, many, many years ago when no one would go near it. He was on the front, you know, cover of gay magazines. He spoke about having gay children and how that wouldn't be a problem. And then he goes and becomes an ambassador for the World Cup. So therefore, you know, at one stage, he uses that opportunity to promote his profile and to to show what a good guy he is. And then on the other hand, down the line, it takes the money to support a regime where if, if you're a woman, you weren't allowed to go and watch football as a spectator until 2018. Only five years ago did that change. We're not just talking about LGBT rights. We're talking about human rights and women's rights and, and other things like that within you know, Saudi Arabia. So there are a number of players that use this as an opportunity and they see this as a vehicle to promote themselves to build their following, to show that they're this inclusive person that's modern and forward thinking. But actually, how many of them genuinely, genuinely care? And unfortunately, when the money's put on the table, their stance changes.
2: Mark, there have been people who've come out in support of Jordan Henderson and suggested that maybe one of the reasons that he's contemplating this move is because he believes he can be a better ambassador for the LGBT community by going to Saudi Arabia and spreading his message there. Do you have an opinion on that? Well, we took
1: the World Cup to to Russia in 2018. Has Russia progressed with their LGBTQI policy since 2018? Probably not. Probably, arguably, gone backwards. You'd have to speak to Russian LGBT people and say, is your life better or worse now since the World Cup? And the same in Qatar. Speak to people. You know, a year ago, what was your life like? And what's it like now? Has there been an influence? Has there been a positive message come through from all of the, the profile and publicity and media scrutiny that has been attached to these big events? Has it made a difference to your life? Because ultimately, that's the most important thing, is that people from the LGBT community living in these countries suffer on a daily basis. They're scared to be who they are, they're persecuted, and they're treated completely differently to other citizens. So that is something that you'd you'd have to fire at those people, because that's the people that we care about, ultimately. And I speak in a privileged position. I'm lucky. I can be myself. I can live my life. I'm I'm not judged, you know, for who I fall in love with or who I spend my time with. I, you know, I've seen a very comfortable place mm. in the UK where everyone is far more accepting and tolerant of who I am and our community. So it's, it's the people that don't have that voice that can't say how they feel, that are too scared to be themselves. They're the people that really matter in this situation. And on the flip side of it as well, you know, and I need to make this clear, I've got no problem with Jordan Henderson taking the money. You know, a hundred million pound contract for three years. He probably hasn't earned a hundred million pounds in the last 15 years put together. And now he's got this opportunity to, to you know, earn so much money. And and on the flip side of that, by the way, as well, what an unbelievable captain he is. And I think that's important to point out. I don't want this to to be a Jordan Henderson bash. You know, I I think he's been an incredible captain. I think only when he has gone from Liverpool will they realise just how important he was for that group and that team and that midfield. And most importantly, you know, in the dressing room and off the pitch. And I think they're they're big factors as well. But um, it just brings into focus this amount of money that people are being paid to go over to there and it becomes a bigger picture of sports washing where suddenly there are so many sportsmen you've seen it with live golf you've seen it with the tennis you've seen it with footballers that are going over there and they're becoming a vehicle to this situation and I think that's the, the bigger picture that, that needs to be looked at as well, because, you know, there's so much depth to what we're talking about.
0: There absolutely is, Mark. And a lot of the things that you have brought up are societal issues. And yes. there will be some that argue that we have become obsessed with politicising football and he's become a victim of this. What would you say?
1: Well, I think football is the, the world's language. And if you can use football as a vehicle to change the world and to make people's lives better, which it does on so many occasions, then brilliant. And if you're one of those footballers that wants to put your head above the parapet and talk about these issues, whether it's the LGBT plus community or women's rights or kids' rights or you know uh, stuff about heading the ball and dementia if you want to use your profile and your platform to change the world and to enhance people's lives then absolutely you should have the ability to do that and if you don't want to do that then then don't and that's where perhaps this this little bit of gray area hangs over Jordan Henderson because he has been so supportive and so vocal and he has been one of those people that's been right at the forefront of speaking out when there are so few footballers even now in 2023 that are prepared to do so.
2: And, and I guess the other th- fear now is that Jordan Henderson's words are going to be used as a stick to beat him with I- Is there a concern that actually this will ha- have a negative impact in terms of footballers coming out and supporting this community because maybe a decision they make down the line, their words might be used to haunt them. This, this could be a real step backwards, couldn't it? Absolutely. No, it
1: could step the whole situation backwards. And I've been in situations and meetings. I do a series on Sky Sports called I Am Game, which comes around once a year. And we take LGBT plus celebrities into sporting environments. We've taken comedians and we've taken pop stars and we've taken TV presenters that all come from the community into sport and to to show them that it is an inclusive place, that they are accepted, they are welcome. You know, I took Tom Allen to West Ham. We went to a West Ham home game and the fans loved him and he was treated with, with respect and he was treated the way that you'd expect anyone to be treated. He wasn't, you know, he went in that environment and they were just happy to see him supporting their team regardless of his sexuality. But I sit in these meetings So often and I say to football clubs and I say to sports organisations and promoters and people, I say, would you be prepared to do something for Rainbow Laces? Would you be prepared to have a gay male or female come into your environment and talk to to you about these issues and see what it's like and find out what it really is like? You know, peel back the layers, look, look behind the curtain and go deep into this subject. And the answer I get so many times is no 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 sorry they don't want to do that oh no they've got a sponsor that that would affect or they don't want to be seen to be you know too close to that community because it might affect them down the line so like you say it feels like a step backwards because there'll be so many agents and there'll be so many footballers and other people within the world of sport that look at this situation and think well could I end up out in Saudi Arabia could I end up at Newcastle could I end up connected to these people in, in some way so therefore actually The safest option for me is to say nothing. And then that's where the community loses out. That's where that young kid from Liverpool that is gay and doesn't have someone to look up to is losing out. Because before, he had his captain. He had his leader. He had the man that he really, really looked up to and thought, if my captain says it's okay for me to be gay, then I know that I can be okay with myself. And I think that's the biggest thing. 82% of the LGBT plus community suffer with mental health issues. And I've been there by the way, and I really struggled for many, many years. It's so hard. But if you've got an ally and if you've got someone there that you can look up to, that can completely change your life and your mindset, and it means you can live a healthy, happy life without that thing that constantly niggles in the back of your brain about your sexuality. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport.
0: It's Sam Matherface and Alex Crook on Talk sports and we are discussing Jordan Henderson's prospective move uh, to Saudi Arabia. Uh, we talked
2: about this a lot over the last uh, couple of um, days, haven't we? We have. Well, last couple of weeks, really. I think yeah. it was towards the back end of last week when the news first started to emerge, and I think we were both sceptical initially that Jordan Henderson would uproot to Saudi Arabia. You, I think, were pretty fervent that maybe we were judging too early, the the wider population was judging Jordan Henderson too early give him the opportunity to make the decision before passing judgement, do you stand by that or do you feel a little bit foolish this afternoon?
0: Um, We don't know what he's agreed to as part of his move to Saudi Arabia, we still haven't heard from him it may be that he goes to Saudi and that he thinks that he can be a force for change, he may think that being part of the influx of Western footballers going to play in that country can have an influence on suffering uh, softening a Saudi stance. It may be that he just Do thinks he can that? look after his family and his family's family. And it may be that he still eventually says no to this move. But at this moment in time, it doesn't look great and it is disappointing. If he does go, is he a sellout? Look, I think this has come about because of the fact that we have decided in our infinite wisdom to make football a vehicle to discuss our social problems. The truth is that although footballers have an opinion. They are no more qualified to talk or represent the values of the community than any other person on the street, you, me, anybody else. They aren't politicians, they aren't academics, they aren't philosophers, and
2: they aren't sociologists, but we're determined to push them. But they do have the power to help bring about change.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And we can't be blind to social issues because as Mark has already said on this program in the last few minutes, that football is a universal language I've got to be honest, you just said there, they have the power to bring about change. To help bring about change. Have they? I mean, that maybe in, in certain territories, but as Mark has already alluded to, what happened in Russia after the World Cup? Did it force social change? Did the World Cup force social change in Russia? I'm not sure that it did. Um, I do think that, the onus is put too much on these young men and women to stand up and change the world. It's actually the job of others, MPs, community leaders, elected politicians, whatever. If the whole situation maybe has come about because the pressure that is applied to these footballers to always be seen as the moral compass of the country. Go to a Gareth Southgate England football press conference. He rarely gets to talk about football. You know, I was listening to a preview of a tournament recently to get information about games, to get information about players, teams, managers, and most of that preview was discussing social issues regarding to the awarding of the tournament, the treatment of its participants, sustainability issues to do with it. There was barely any talk about the actual football. If you are relying on your sporting heroes for leadership, from sports people only, there is a problem elsewhere in your community we put these people on a pedestal we build them up they don't live up to the standards that they can never probably live up to that we push them into taking and we tear them down that said do i think this is a cautionary tale i do because by speaking so eloquently about these issues and becoming a huge ally he's now left himself open
2: to scrutiny it's a nice diatribe that, you, that you're giving us there, but it's
0: not a diet. But there is, is it? it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an explanation of what I feel and believe.
2: But there is precedent for footballers being able to bring about change. Look no further than Marcus Rashford and what he did during the COVID pandemic. Yeah. So, so like it or not, high-profile players, England international footballers, do have a big role to play in social issues. Now, but I'm
0: not entirely sure that Marcus Rashford was as comfortable with being as part of the uh, in front of the spotlight there as. I, I, we are well, it was all worth there to it. Believe. It was worth it for I, the reward. I totally agree f- for, you with you. You know, for those he was helping. I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying that it can't affect change, but I don't think that. I, I do think that sometimes we we get ourselves into a situation with with players because we are forcing them to stand at the front of social issues when not all of them are comfortable with it. I'm not saying that... Forcing is a strong
2: word because I've got some words here that Jordan Henderson said in 2019. Now, nobody forced Jordan Henderson... I'm not saying they did. I'm saying that's the trend
0: that we're in at this moment in time. Would you disagree with that? Would you disagree that we put sports uh, men and women on a pedestal and ask them questions about social issues that they're not necessarily qualified or comfortable all the time to answer? I think like it or
2: not, footballers are role models. And... I think with that comes a certain element of social responsibility. Absolutely. Probably more now than ever before, I would say. And in 2019, Jordan Henderson said, and I quote him, I'm a parent, a husband, a son, and a brother. The idea that anyone I love and care about wouldn't feel safe or comfortable coming to watch me play if they were part of the LGBT community mm. makes me wonder what world we live in. Yep. So that what's, was, hap- what's that, happened that in that the last four of a, years? That was a Rainbow Laces um, a launch, wasn't it? Well, he scored his first England goal wearing Rainbow l- Laces. Yeah. Now, if Jordan Henderson was here now, and listen, maybe in some ways it's unfair just to turn all the scrutiny on Jordan Henderson because there's a lot of people uh, who have decided to cash in on the Saudi money. Steven Gerrard, who's been a big ambassador on behalf of uh, Liverpool and certain communities in the past, he's taken the money. He's now the fourth highest paid manager in the world, we believe. But what I would like to ask Jordan Henderson... Does what you said in 2019 still stand firm in 2023? Because if it does, then this move to Saudi Arabia doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense for him from a social perspective, and I've been quite open on this. For me, it doesn't make any sense on a sporting perspective. This is the Liverpool captain, somebody who started, I think, 23 games in the Premier League last season. Somebody who, if he's still in the Premier League next summer, will be on the plane for the European Championships. If he goes to Saudi Arabia, I think it's very difficult for Gareth Southgate to select him. So surely there are many more reasons for Jordan Henderson to say, no, from a sporting perspective, I don't want to leave my role as Liverpool captain. And from a social perspective, I can make more of an impact by turning this move down than by following the Saudi money. Or it may
0: be that as part of his discussions to join the club, he may well have agreed a stance that he is able to take in that country. Like they did with the armband in the World Cup when they backed down to FIFA. But that was not entirely down to Jordan Henderson. That was down to the FA and the rules. They bottled it. That's not true. But it may well be that he has agreed um, that uh, he can make a stance about these particular social issues when he gets there. And if that is the case, then maybe that impact may be greater. We don't know because, as you say, we haven't heard from him. So you're prejudging his motives i absolutely agree at this moment in time it don't look great 100 percent engagement outspoken with white and jordan
2: millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most
0: people are the easy button right let's talk about manchester city going through such a big rebo. why is that happening riyad Mahrez is on the brink of a 30 million pound to our ackley ilkay gundawin has already joined barcelona on a free transfer carl walker Joao Cancelo, americ report and uh, bernardo silva have all been linked with moves away reports yesterday suggested that walker had told guardiola of his uh, desire to join Bayern Munich the club now we think are probably going to try and keep Bernardo Silva uh, despite him constantly being linked away they have agreed a fee or are thinking or hopeful of agreeing a fee with uh, RB Leipzig's Josco of a that hasn't been done just yet but it would be uh, quite an expensive acquisition matteo Kovacic uh, has already joined as well so I was adding it up earlier on looking at the squad in detail probably got about 19 first team players at this moment
2: in time is that enough to compete on four fronts? No clearly not it's interesting if you look at the young players that are coming through Harwood Bellis obviously had a, a good season on loan at Burnley last year had a brilliant Euros for the under 21s but maybe isn't quite ready to go into the Manchester City first team as yet. I think Pep Guardiola has reservations about Cole Palmer on that front as well. Rico Lewis, I think, will get games next season for sure. But Mm. there's a fine line, isn't there, between strengthening and rebuilding from a position of power, as clearly Manchester City are, having swept all before them last season to become the best team in Europe. But also, it's an awful lot of experience to lose from the dressing room. The captain, Gunduan, that wasn't... Part of the plan Obviously they offered him A a contract They wanted him to stay
0: I'm not sure about that I know they wanted him to stay But I think they knew It was happening When I was in Munich With them Probably March April time The suggestion was then That he was going to leave And that was before All the stuff happened And he was brilliant Towards the end of the season I know that Pep wanted To keep him But actually He was pretty well versed I think in what was happening
2: At that time Because obviously He had a place in Barcelona And that was the move That he wanted to make But Uh, I think he's going to be a massive loss. I think Carl Walker, in terms of his stature in the dressing room and his experience, would be a blow. It looks like he probably is off to Bayern Munich, although he has travelled on the pre-season tour with City, so maybe all he's not lost there. Mahrez... Had an impact last season, no question about that. As I've already mentioned, I think being in the FA two Cup final, the yeah. Champions League, and that was that was a big, big issue with him. And Bernardo Silva, I think he probably will stay now, but we know that Pep Guardiolas has this principle, if you like, that if, if players don't want to be there, then he's quite happy for them to move on. He did it with Inchenko and Jesus and Sterling a year ago, but they, they need some bodies in, don't they? I think Kovacic is a decent signing. I wouldn't say any more than that at this moment in time. Guardiola, they'll be paying a lot of money for potential, I think you have to look at, it at the moment and say, well, this gives everybody else hope that the gap between Manchester City and the rest can get smaller. <laughs>
0: Hold on, give me a few straws to clutch there, fella. <laughs> um, Gvardiel's 21. Yeah, Rico Lewis is 18. I looked at the players that were going out of the club and if you look at the age profile of the players that are leaving, Mares, Gundawin, for example, those two players, Laporte, 29. They're moving that older generation on. I wonder whether or not they will retain some experience. I mean, Nake, Diaz, Stones is 29, Akanji, you know, they're all experienced players. They'll be keeping them. If you add some younger players around that, De Bruyne's 32, Bernardo Silva, 28. You know, they've got established players like Grealish and, and, and Foden and Haaland, although he's only 22, he's an established player, obviously. If you start adding a bit of young legs to that Rodgers 27 then you're bringing the age profile of the squad down I think that's what they're trying to do so I wouldn't be surprised if you saw them bring in a few very talented younger players over the course
2: of the next three or four weeks and this is Pep Guardiola building a new team which obviously we used to lord Sir Alex Ferguson for yeah uh, but they've won the treble so you know unless they're going to win the treble
0: again with the same group of players which they're probably not going to do then he needs to start trying to reinvigorate that team and what better way to do it than when you are treble winners, when people want to join you because you've you've got that reputation and those honours on the board. They're going to play in four competitions, the FA Cup, the League Cup, the Champions League, uh, the World Cup, uh, Club Cup, as well as the Premier League, there's five competitions really, that there'll be people getting a lot of game time. I think they'll promote some of those younger players. I wouldn't be too surprised if Harwood-Bellis stuck around, although you know that will probably depend on if Laporte moves on. Sergio Gomez didn't play very much last year. He's 22 years of age. Vardy Olken a He had a good Euros as a,
2: as a left winger as well, as opposed to a left back. He did. So there's
0: every opportunity for him to be integrated in the first team squad. Rico Lewis is an outstanding talent. We see what they did and what the way they changed the way they played halfway through the season or their approach to the way they played halfway through the season where they had the inverted right back or the centre back stepping into midfield. So there's still a lot to be positive about and it's just the evolution of the team, I think. I think if you get to the end of the transfer window and you've still have only got 19 outfield players, different argument, but I think they will add.
2: Get your man on Arsenal to win the Community Shield. They have yeah. a habit, don't they, City, of not being particularly oh, you firing on all cylinders different. for that Arsenal, competition. Arsenal, we favourites
0: for the Community Shield because Manchester City aren't, aren't even back yet. Mm. You know they will they will wait to the last possible moment to come back into pre season. They give their players a lot of rest, and then when they do get back, they warm up very slowly for the season. And the Community Shield is very much for them a, a pre season game. I, don't, I can't even remember the last time they won the Community Shield. They lost to Leicester a couple of years ago. They lost like Liverpool last, Liverpool year, last year. Yeah, they, it's, uh, it's, not a, it's not a game that they particularly take too seriously. But, you know, their fans do. They've sold it out. Um, so interesting to see what happens with them. Talk to me about Alexander Mitrovic. Well,
2: it's not just Mitrovic. It's, it's Fulham in general, actually. Um, obviously, it was uh, our colleagues at Sky last night reporting that he's told relatives he won't play for Fulham again after they put a huge price tag on on his head of £52 million. Pounds. We know that Mitrovic is keen to make this move to Saudi Arabia, so it's going to be fascinating to see how that scenario plays out. I've been talking to you a lot on this programme over the last week or so about Jao And I think certainly West Ham are being given encouragement from his camp that he would like to make that move across London. You've got Tosin uh, Adarabayo, who only has a year left on his contract. They've already lost Manuel Solomon. Marco Silva yet to commit his future. So this is turning into quite a turbulent summer for Fulham after what was a really good season on their return to the Premier League. And I I do fear for them a little bit. Um, Let's uh, compartmentalise it a little bit and talk about Mitrovic because Mitrovic has
0: uh, obviously been the headline, mate, here he's angry because he feels as if he's being priced out of a move certainly the price tag that's been quoted seems high but it's obviously there to put off interested parties but ultimately if you know alexander mitrovich then you know that having him around when he is not in fine fettle is not going to be good ask rafa benitez for details this is one of those situations where if you're fulham you might as well make it happen you might need to drive up the price a little bit in order to make sure that you get a decent replacement. But ultimately, he isn't going to be around next season, is he?
2: No, he's certainly not the influence you want in the dressing room when he's when he's angry. He's like a bear with a sore head, isn't he? As we saw at Old Trafford in that remarkable FA Cup game towards the end of the season. So I think it's an unwanted headache for Fulham. And I think you're right. I think player power probably will win in this scenario. But how do they replace him? You look at the goals he scored, certainly in the Championship, but also last year, it looked like he finally has stepped up to being a a Premier League goal scorer. He looked fitter, in my eyes, than he ever had before. So I can understand why they're driving a high price, and I just hope they have a a plan in place to replace him. But we know number nines are in short supply, aren't they? Danger.
0: Flammable
1: exchanges ahead. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio
0: station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave a review wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back tomorrow with the best of the show.
1: Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right.